Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abinadab, Abinadab, Abinadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jothan. Jothan, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile in Babylon. After the exile in Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiad. Abiad, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliad. Eliad, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Methan. Methan, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to Christ. Amen. (laughs) All right, all right. (laughs) Now, um, as I said last night, if you were here, there there are some people, as you read this story, I I don't know if they jumped out at you when we just read that, but there are some people that you could argue, what in the world are they doing in Jesus' genealogy? Why would you call attention to these people? I mean, I'm not even going to talk about Tamar's story because that's kind of, I mean, that's a really hard story. We're not going to go there, but there's some other people that are kind of notorious sinners or notorious outsiders, and yet they're in this genealogy for a reason. I mean, yeah, they really do show up in Jesus' line, but, but it's like, where'd they come from? They kind of stand out as being misplaced in a sense, and yet here they are. So here's what I did. Um, how many of you took uh, uh, a picture for Christmas for your Christmas card that you sent out? Anybody take pictures for that? Some of you did. I found some Christmas card pictures that don't belong. So if you've got a card like this, uh, it probably stands out amongst all the other cards that you've received. Do we have those pictures, Jim? Here's one. Love that. Man. All they had to do was pinch him, and they got that reaction. I mean, that was great. Okay, next. Here's a good one. Yay for Christmas. Yeah, all right. The tunings. Next one. I like this one. Yep. And uh, last but not least, you've got this one. Yep. Does that look like any of your homes right now? <laughs> Anybody get some new devices and they were locked in? Um, some of these Christmas cards don't belong, but they're really funny and, and we laugh about it. But I want to talk about some people that would be surprising to include in your genealogy. Okay, I've got three of them I want to talk about today. And uh, this is not only, um, I mean, it's funny because I always do like a preach through the night before and change things up a little bit and kind of do the final thing. Didn't happen. I, I was sleeping. So this is this is it. This is like the, the run through and, and the real deal. So it, it'll be all right. It'll be okay. Um, I want to talk first about Rahab. Uh, would you go to Joshua chapter 2? Rahab is in the line of Jesus. 
And it's just one of those shocking people that you wouldn't normally think you would put in your genealogy, but here she is as an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Of all those men, they call attention to a woman. And she's an important woman. So this is Joshua uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shedim. Go, look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. And at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. To go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she'd taken them to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she'd laid out on the roof. So the men fled in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went to the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land, given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We heard about the Lord, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea from when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted. Everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear by me, by the Lord, swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Here it is. And so you all know uh, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. But one person in her family was spared and that was Rahab. That was Rahab. And this is the point I want to make here. Rahab and rescue. Jesus came to rescue you from eternal spiritual death. Christmas, then, is a rescue mission. It's God sending a rescuer into the world because we were in darkness. We were in error. We were hell-bound. But God stepped in. And and when uh, Rahab is mentioned in Hebrews 11.31, it says she wasn't killed with the rest. By faith, Rahab was not killed. And so it's good for us at various times in our life to take a moment and think, Maybe the most amazing thing I can say is that although Niall is a sinner, he's not going to go to hell. That's it. I'm not going to go to hell. I'm not going to die spiritually forever. By faith, I'm not going to perish like many others who don't know Jesus. And so we remember that, that Christmas is a rescue mission and that we are not going to be destroyed. Because Jesus came to earth to save us. I want to show you another one. I want to show you Manasseh. Um, would you go to Second Chronicles 33? Second Chronicles chapter 33. Um, <clears throat> I totally remember studying Manasseh in Bible school. Uh, you, know, you know, there's so many kings and we had to remember things about them for tests and so we came up with different ways of remembering which king did what. And you know what we called Manasseh? Nasty Massey. Nasty Massey. That's what we did. So I'll never forget that. A good way to remember who Manasseh is. Uh, check out Manasseh in Second Chronicles 33, uh, verse 1. 
Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in, in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out from before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both the courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft, consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. I'm glad my list of sins doesn't sound quite like this. Um, but here, here he is. He took the carved image he had made and put it in God's temple, of which God had said to David and his son Solomon, In this temple in Jerusalem, I, 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 which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not make the feet of the Israelites leave the land I assigned to your forefathers, if only they would be careful to do everything I commanded them concerning all the laws, decrees, and ordinances given through Moses. But Manasseh led Judah and the people of, Ju- of Jerusalem astray, so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. So Manasseh is so nasty, so bad, that, that, that Israel is actually doing worse than the nations around him. He, he killed his own kids. This is nasty, Massey. Uh, the Lord spoke to Manasseh in verse 10, and that they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army of commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles and took him to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty. and He listened to his plea so that, he was, so that he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew, oh, this is a great statement, then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. So God brought an enemy to fight Manasseh and Manasseh repented. He repented, and it says, Then he knew that the Lord is God. Some of you know all too well your sordid past, your sins, what they have done, the effects they've had on your life, on other people's lives. And this is what we know, though, of Manasseh and and the relationship with God. Your rebellious past has brought you face to face with Jesus. You know, only God can take all of these mistakes, all of these sins, all of this love for the world and the nastiness, like Manasseh's nastiness, and say, I, I'm, I'm going to take all, this, this is part of your journey to me. This is part of what it took to bring you to me. Oh, you were stuck in the mire and muck of sin. But that was bringing you face to face with Jesus. And Manasseh says, he knew the living God. He knew that the Lord is God so, you know, um, I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with any celebrities. I don't know if you know any celebrities. But you know, even if you wanted to know a celebrity, I remember meeting somebody that, um, you know, uh, the Oshkosh has the air show, you know, that they do um, every year. What do they call that? The EAA? Something like that. And uh, someone I know used to go to that every year, and they said that, uh, uh, Harrison Ford would come in some years, you know, and he would fly, he likes flying, and, and, and this, this person that I knew saw him at a restaurant and tried to talk to him. 
Ford was not very interested in, in, in speaking, though, and <laughs> giving him the time of day. And that's kind of how it is with celebrities. You may want to talk to them. You may see them. You, you may want that, but, but you can't have that because they're kind of in a different category. But, but we have a relationship with Christ. It, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing that the Lord has done by taking all of the mess of our life and saying, I'm going to use the mess to bring you into a relationship with me that you would never have had if this mess didn't happen, if, if, if the terrible things of your past didn't happen. I took those and I formed a path out of them to me. And so it's not that you um, rejoice in your sins. It's you rejoice in the Lord that can do something like that to bring you to himself. That's Manasseh. The last one I'd show you is uh, Ruth and Redemption. Would you go to the book of Ruth? You're probably finding a lot of things you haven't looked at in maybe a little while. Ruth. Uh, Oh, if you're still looking for it, it's Joshua Judges Ruth. So you're in the Old Testament here. Uh, Ruth is a story about a woman named Naomi. And uh, she, her husband dies, but she has two sons. Her two sons get married to uh, two ladies, and then the husbands die. So now you've got Naomi and a daughter-in-law, Ruth. And Ruth is a Moabitess. She's not an Israelite. She's a Moabitess. She's a foreigner. And so again, it's surprising that she shows up because... She's not actually part of Israel, but she married in, and yet here she is. Now, Ruth needs to find a husband. You know this, and Boaz notices her. And then um, you look at uh, Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate, and he sat there. When the kinsman of Redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. And Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here, and they did so. And then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that, she, that belonged to her brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if, but if you will not, tell me and so I'll know. For, you, for no one has the right to do it except you and I am the next in line. So there's land involved here. And there's a woman involved here, and he's not going to mention the woman yet. But the man says, I'll redeem it. You know, I'll buy it. I'll take the land. And Boaz says, "In the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. And at this the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it. I cannot do it. And so we see here that um, all of us have hard things that have happened in our life. You might you might say you have you've had a tragedy that has struck your life in some way and left a mark on you, and yet in the book of Ruth, Ruth loses her husband. She's a Moabitess. She's living in a foreign land, and she meets Boaz, who um, is a kinsman redeemer. He's part of this family that can buy the land, marry her, and continue the family line. So let's talk about tragedy for a second. Ruth and redemption. Tragedy does not define your life. Jesus can redeem the years the locusts have eaten. The, the locust eating year, uh, that's, that's out of uh, Joel 2.25. And what it says is that there are tragic things that may have happened to you. 
in your life. And yet God can take those things and redeem them, make something good out of them, bring something beautiful out of it that only he can do. And that's the story of Ruth, God's redeeming work in our life. God transforms the mess. God redeems us. That is Ruth and redemption. I think at this point I'm not going to belabor my sermon. I think I'm going to uh, pray. And I think I'd love to end with joy to the world one more time. Can we do that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, some of us, all of us, we'll say it that way, we, there's no way that we could belong in your kingdom because we've sinned, because we've become unholy. And yet there's joy for us, and yet there's entrance into the kingdom because of what you've done through your Son. Thank you that tragedy doesn't get the last word in our life. Thank you that our sordid, sinful past doesn't get to dominate us today. Thank you that repentance is possible, change is possible, that beautiful things can come out of terrible things. Only you can do that, God. And so we exalt you. And we want to leave this place full of your joy. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.